Hello and welcome to our daily devotional podcast. Today I want to talk about the purpose of life and living life boldly. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21 verse 18 to 22. Matthew chapter 21 verse 18 to 22. Let us pray. Father, speak your truths to us that indeed we may live life as you have planned for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 18 to 22. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did this fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I used to wonder what this, why, why Jesus did this. I mean, was he just being petulant, bad-tempered, spoiled bread? That when he went up to a tree and found that it bore no fruit, that he would, in his, in his peak and in his anger, just declare to the tree that you will no longer bear fruit ever again. And then the tree withers. I believe that this Jesus did this intentionally not because he was bad-tempered or impatient with the tree, but he was pointing out a truth about our lives. This is one of those um, living parables where instead of telling it, he lives it out and demonstrates it. This is consistent with what Jesus said, what Jesus taught in John chapter 15 verse 2, verse 1 and 2. John chapter 15 verse 1 and 2, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus says that the Father cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. This parable, living parable in Matthew is a more poignant demonstration of, the, of what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was hungry. When he saw a fig tree, this fig tree was lush, it had leaves on it, but he found no fruit. And seeing that the fruit, the tree had no fruit, it was useless to him. And so he declared what really was the state of the tree. It's useless. It might as well be withered away. It's a very important lesson to us that purpose of our lives is to bear fruit that others who are hungry may feed on. You could have been the most successful like a tree that is lush, lots and lots of leaves. You could have lots of talent, lots of finances. You may be prosperous in your own way just as this tree was. But if you do not fulfill your purpose, which is for others, which is to feed others, then you might as well not exist at all. It's a difficult lesson, but very true. We, I, when I was a kid, I used to 
love planting. My, my parents had a nice garden. We'd plant lots of fruit trees. When the tree was young, we would watch excitedly as, as leaves grew because the more leaves there are on the tree, the healthier the tree is. After all, leaves photosynthesize, which means that there is a lot more food for the tree. And we got very excited as the tree grew and grew and had more and more leaves because we knew then that it would be a healthy tree. But at some point, we start changing the way we look at it. We no longer look at how many leaves the tree has. We start looking at whether the tree has fruit. If the tree has only tons and tons of leaves, healthy as it may seem, and doesn't have a single fruit, it's a useless tree. You might as well cut it down. So it is with our lives. We may seem to have everything, a comfortable life, great intelligence, we may be able to argue our way through anything, do anything, skills, we may have lots of money, successful in everything, and lots of people admire that. We admire people who are prosperous and rich and who know how to do business and know how to do their work. But at the end of the day, we ask this question, does this person live for others? Do others benefit from this person? You see, are, are we fed by this person in whatever way? And if this person lives only for himself and has no good for others, then his life is altogether a meaningless one. We need to put this truth, have this truth ingrained in our hearts, that we were called to bless others. We were created to live for others. And I ask then that parents, you inculcate that in your children. Adults, keep asking that question. Am I useful to others? Later I'll tell about how, what it means to be useful because you could be an invalid, you could be paralyzed and yet you could be very useful. Or you could have all your faculties and be absolutely useless. But we live in a society where we live largely for ourselves. It once was a time when lawyers existed to help the poor, to see that justice was done, that doctors lived to heal people, that pastors lived to care for souls, that bankers lived to help those with money to deposit and to earn a little bit, and those with in need of money to take loans at low interest rates that they may start some business and care for themselves. But times have changed so much. Now we, many of us take, become lawyers, many people become lawyers, simply because it's very lucrative. While working in prison fellowship, I realized that there was a huge need for defense lawyers because many people did not receive justice because they were poor. If they had had lawyers, good lawyers who fought for them, they could have had a lighter sentence or even have not been convicted because they were innocent. But because the lawyers who often represented them were incompetent or cared only to make a quick buck, many people ended up in prison from injustice. And so I appealed to many of the youth, law, fresh grads, law students, and asked them, would you consider taking up criminal law instead. Of course, many of them had little interest and they were more intrigued by, by corporate law and I said, fine, if that's your interest. But others avoided criminal law because it didn't pay. 
they went after more lucrative areas of law that paid well, ended up not finding a single person who was willing to take up criminal law to help those in need. It's often true of doctors as well. Often in interviews for the university and for scholarships, they give all the ideals of helping the sick and helping the poor. But years later, as I talk to doctors, most of them do it because it brings in most money. I remember a friend of mine, a late friend of mine who has since passed away. He was a very talented, brilliant man. He was one of the earliest doctors, young doctors, to receive a government scholarship. He went overseas, he went to England, took a postgrad degree in endocrinology because he saw that people, many people were suffering from diabetes, especially the poor. Throughout his life, he worked, he dedicated his life to finding cures for diabetes, finding preventive action for diabetes, spreading the message to the poor that diabetes could be avoided. He was very well known in his time and had offers for private practice, offers for lucrative jobs. He remained in the government service, but not only that, he kept low pay, he lived a very simple life. He used to visit him every month and he lived in this little house, uh, barely any furniture, simple old house. He lived a simple life, but he lived all his life for people. I believe that was what it was meant to be. I had a friend who was a banker and he told me how he struggled in his job, not because he wasn't good at it, but because times were changing. He told me that in the past when he was younger, being a banker was a godly, noble job. They loaned money to those who needed and they gave good interest rates. And those who had excess money deposited the money and also received decent in interest. But these days, bankers' main job is to devise new methods, new schemes of making money. Neither the lender nor the, nor the borrower benefit very much. Bankers make millions. And he said, what, it is, what does it mean to be a Christian? To care for what the needs of people. But our times have changed. Even pastors, I heard someone who was interviewed say, say that his ambition was to be a pastor because he had the gifts for it. He had the gift of the gap. And he could actually make lots of money if he were to become a superstar pastor. Each of these professions were meant to do good. We turned it around and used it for our benefit. It is so important that we hear God's word once again that the purpose of our lives is to serve others. And if we fail in this one thing, we have lived in vain. We have lived useless lives. I wish this was inculcated in many of our youths, in many of our children, that they would learn from young that their lives are only useful and meaningful if they are used to serve others. I hope that it continues to be an ethos among those who are working and among the seniors, that their very purpose of life is to serve others. It is not an extracurriculum activity. Many of us look at it the other way. The main purpose of our lives is to earn lots of money, make ourselves comfortable and make ourselves feel good. And if I had spare money, I might serve a little in charity 
might do a little bit of church work, I might serve a little here and there. But it's a sideline, it's an afterthought. Actually, that must change altogether. It doesn't mean that all of you would go full-time Christian work, and I'll show you that you don't have to do that at all. But all of us must realise that our primary goal in life is to serve others. And secondarily then, we can enjoy some holidays, we can enjoy a bit of wealth. If we make money, we could keep still live comfortably and enjoy ourselves in some pastimes. But that's not the primary goal at all. So now, let's look at some examples of how you, your life could count. A pastor colleague of mine ministers very much to the old, the bedridden, so many of whom are paralyzed, unable to walk, move, and sometimes unable to see, unable to come to church, you visit them. And he told me that there was not no such a person as a useless person before God, unless they chose to be useful, useless. That even a person who was bedridden was taught to pray for others, to intercede for another person who was in a similar situation, or they could use their life to share life with others. An old person could spend time with a grandfather, grandmother could spend time with grandchild, not just babysitting, but imparting wisdom and knowledge and goodness to their grandchildren. My grandfather spent a lot of time with me when I was young, and I was very drawn to him. He told me stories of his life, the hardships, told me stories about what was good and what was bad. He taught me a lot of principles about life. I owe much of what I am to the way he shared his life with me. Grandfathers and grandmothers, you have a very important role in the development and the growth of your grandchildren. Even if you were bedridden, you have a role in encouraging people. You have a role in praying for others. The prisoners that I ministered to in death row never saw themselves as useless or were not allowed to see themselves as useless. They learned powerful prayers. They learned to minister to one another. They learned to minister even to the guards. My friend Dom, his great strength was intercession because he saw how God answered his prayer in miraculous, miraculous ways. One time, I can't remember whether I told you this in one of the devotions, but I'll repeat it. One time he had the inmate next to him was to be executed. He found out that the inmate was very poor, his family was close to starvation. And Dom wanted to give $2,000 from his CPF to help his neighbor's family. But he didn't dare to ask his wife because having betrayed her and having caused her so much grief, he didn't think that it was sensitive of him to ask her to give some money to another death row family. He prayed instead. The week after he started praying and had this conviction to give 2000 his wife came to visit him and he said, Well, Dom, and she said to him, Well, Dom, last week as I was leaving the prison, I met this woman whose husband was to be executed the next day. And she was very distraught, not only because she was going to lose her husband, but because she had no money at all. And so here's my request, Dom. You have $5,000 left in your CPF. Can I give it all to this family? Because I have enough for myself. This just 
blew his mind. But he found that God answered his prayers again and again, and so his main occupation in the days that was left for him was simply to intercede for others. He would open the newspaper, he would read, and then he would see, wow, this girl just met with an accident. Why don't I pray for her? Interceded for his friends. He kept asking me, Pastor, how, what other prayers or requests do you have? What about your members? Do, does anyone need a prayer? And then he would take them down and he would pray earnestly for each person. His life role is just to pray for people and to be a blessing. Another prisoner, his name was Jacob. I met him. He had a very low self-esteem. He was a terribly shy young man. But when he received Christ into his life and became a Christian, he made one promise to God and one prayer request to God. He said, God, every day, let me minister to one person. Every day he would pray that prayer and he would look out for someone who was depressed, someone who was sad, someone who, whom he could witness to someone who needed prayer. And every day he would be ministering to a different person and really reaching out. You know, many of the prisoners who became Christian fell along the way. Jacob never did because he saw how much his life counted. What about the young? Well, I'm grateful to my parents for having inculcated in me from very young that my life was worth nothing if I was not used by God to serve others. And so I remember as, as a primary school student boy and not knowing what to do, I saw that I was active, I could run very well, I could carry the heavy loads though I was a small boy. And I decided I would be a runner for God, which meant that I'd go to a teacher, and that was not to curry favour, but if I saw a teacher carrying very heavy books, I would ask if I could carry some books for him or for her. And I would run errands for teachers, I would run errands for people. I remember once even when there was this massive flood and cars were all stranded and I was pushing cars for drivers and I spoiled the market because I did it for free. All the other kids were charging five bucks for, per push and I was doing it, helping drivers push the cars out of the flood water and I said, this is for free. As I grew older, I excelled in my schoolwork and I found that I was most useful helping others who could not study as well with the tuition. But every step of the way, I realized that I could be of use to various people in need. What about those? What else are there? There are housewives, where you could reach out to your children, where you could reach out to others. But in every area of your lives, whether as a businessman, whether as a very rich person, yeah, if you had the gift, the ability to earn lots of money, don't stop yourself from earning lots of money. The question is, what do you do with your money? Does it come to good use to bless others? In every area of your lives, if the ethos, if the conviction is in your heart that your purpose in life is to serve others, then whatever career you are in, whatever state of life, whatever condition your health, you will continue to be a blessing to others and to live your life to the fullest. But the second thing then that God, Jesus said was, if you have faith and belief, you can say to this mountain, move, 
to the sea and it will be moved. This is the second time in a short while that Jesus talked about moving mountains. And Jesus' point was this, have, be bold about what, who God is. Be bold and never accept an impossibility. Because when you give of your life to others and to God, nothing can stand in the way. This is the context of this passage in the conversation that Jesus had. If you give your life to others to make it useful for others, then there is nothing too hard for you. But the condition of this prayer is that first of all, it must be in service for others. Dom, the death row prisoner whom I talked about, who had great miracles and worked wonders, to him, nothing was impossible. And yet, one day I asked him, Dom, if God answers, since I see that God answers every prayer of yours, why don't you ask God to extend your life and to commute your sentence? Dom kept quiet for a while and then looking very seriously at me. Dom was a real jovial guy, he was a joker all the way, but in this case, he looked seriously at me and said, Mingli, there's some things I never ask God for and I will not ask God for. He didn't explain why, but I could understand why. Because to the end of his life, God wrapped up his story so beautifully that it was, he was ready to be with God in heaven. There was no need to live another day more. God had used him powerfully and God now wanted him to rest from his labour. Dom did not abuse this power of God for him. And then for the other guy, Jacob. Jacob continued to live. Today he's a pastor and a very bold pastor as well. Remember I said that he had a low self-esteem, he was timid. But Jacob learned what it meant to believe in God and he became a young man who never took anything as impossible. He worked for us in prison fellowship and everything to him was possible. Just trust and just do it. We put him in charge of children's ministry and said, you take care of the prisoners' children every week, have lessons with them. He started it. He went to start learn from Sunday school and from church how to care for kids. When he discovered kids had special needs, he went to he befriended a psychologist in his church and he learned from psychologists simple tips about helping special needs kids. But he wasn't satisfied because he found that many kids could not come to our programs because no one was bringing them to, to us. And said, that cannot be. I cannot allow the lack of transport to stop anyone from coming if they want to. So he gathered all his friends and told them, okay, you go to the nearest place and you fetch this kid and you fetch that kid. It was such a sight every Saturday morning. We saw dry, we saw lorries, vans, delivery vans, Mercedes, Lexus, uh, tiny cars, all sorts of cars lining up, dropping kids off to our centre. It was indeed a joyful look, a sight. But Jacob wasn't satisfied because he found that there were kids who couldn't, still didn't have anyone live near them. Quietly, without even telling us, he he did it after office hours, he took driving lessons, never charged us a cent nor took a single minute just for his lessons until one day he said, Mingli, I've got a driver's license, can I use the van to pick kids up? And so he did. 
He never once used the van for his own purpose. He would be last to go home. Some days he would go home, he would come back to the office at 6 in the evening, clean up the van and then take a bus home, going home late. He was in the office on Saturday mornings about 6 something, 7 o'clock to pick up the van. He never took the van home because he never wanted to use it for his own purpose. But there was one thing about Jacob, he never accepted no because of circumstances. That's what it means to move mountains. He lived boldly because he believed in a God who could do anything at all. And this is God's word to us today, something to think about. And to ask yourself and to ask God, God, does my life count for you? Can I choose a profession that will indeed be useful to others for your sake? It doesn't start only when we choose our careers. It starts from right from the start. Whether you are a 5-year-old or 10-year-old or a 90-year-old, it starts today with this question. God, how do I make my life count for others? And the prayer then is, God, make my life count. Whatever you have given me, whatever circumstance I'm in, you created me for this purpose alone, that I may bear fruit, and that fruit will feed others who are hungry. You created me that I might live for others. Will that also be your daily prayer? And as it becomes a daily prayer, May it be a prayer also for the career, for the things that you do at work, whether it's a businessman who cares for how you do your business, for the blessing of others, or a doctor who cares to heal and not to make profits, for a lawyer who seeks justice, for a teacher who teaches because you care for your students, for every vocation that God has placed you, that others come first because that's the purpose of our lives. Let us pray. Father, help us to see this truth that we do not live for ourselves. We do not live to benefit ourselves because at the end of the day, we may be so prosperous, we may be so full of talent, full of intelligence, full of abilities, full of wealth. And if none of it is used to bless others, then we are of no use at all. Let this truth be in us. But allow us to know too that in whatever state we are in, we need not be active and highly intelligent and successful. We could be with little talents, we could even be bedridden, we could be helpless. But Lord, when we make it when we realize that we were created to bless others, then you use us to be a blessing to others with all that we have and all that we are. Help us too, Lord, to believe that nothing is impossible to you. That even as we offer our lives to you to be of service to others, that circumstances will not stop us from ministering and from blessing. Help us then to be bold in our living, that in all things we may live for others and believe that you give us the power 
to do mighty works to bless others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, do have a good day and spend your time today asking God, God, of what use can I be to someone else? Have a blessed day and goodbye.